0: Yeah Just...
1: Welcome to Divine Through Line. I'm Ma Ananda Srimati, sometimes known as Julie Pyatt, and I'm here to share with you a healing technique, really, a healing perspective on what it means to support somebody through their transition from leaving this life and being born into the next life. And so I'm here sitting with Brad today. We're actually in his studio. I had a super busy week, and so I just didn't get the healing technique um, recorded in my meditation room, and I want to take this opportunity to explore uh, the subject of death and what are some things that we can do uh, when we are... um, going through this process ourselves or actually going through this process with our loved ones, our family, our community. Um, And so, Brad, thank you for joining in on the conversation. And uh, I know you'll offer some wonderful questions and perspectives to the conversation. Thank
0: you. It's good to be here. Good morning. Good morning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, um, the episode, the previous episode this week actually features my beautiful mother, Vilna. Vilna and uh, i had the amazing opportunity to interview her and talk to her a little bit about her life which was really really fun it was a little difficult actually it was it was uh, cuz i knew there was a lot of emotion there as well um just my father passed away in december and Uh, We went through that experience as a family, as a tribe. Um, We were given the great blessing of having time with him, so we actually were able to be with him uh, as he made his transition out of this life. So um, it was a a wonderful interview, and just to sort of uh, add to that interview, I wanted to share with people um, our experience around his passing and how it became a divine experience for us. And I just before I get into this, I want to just say before is that I understand that people can die or transition or leave in a variety of different manners, um, and none is more profound or less profound than the other. It's simply a choice of experience. So um, I'm going to share from my own ex- my own experience in this in this situation where we actually had time and we were able to do some of these things. Um, my intention in no way is to make anyone feel that they missed something if that wasn't their intention. So I had spoken about this subject um, on Rich's podcast, and I think I mentioned some awareness uh, around uh, what I've discovered in my spiritual travels is that Uh, it may be a good idea not to cut the body for 72 hours following the death because the soul is still connected and there could be some sensation of pain still experienced. And uh, I said this and and it's brought to my attention that, um, of course, somebody had lost a loved one, a child, and um, she was hurt by what I had said because, you know, me giving this perspective um, made her feel that, you know, possibly her loved one had felt some pain. And I am deeply sorry for that experience and that my words contributed to uh, any pain that she experienced, uh, and I honor her life and her child's life and um you know, I believe that there is a higher way. You know, above all this conversation. So, uh, it could be in your case that no pain was experienced. I'm just giving a perspective, and it, it the only way we can learn is if we discuss these things. So, I know that it's a very tender time, a very emotional time, and so before I share my experience, I just want to say that I trust each individual being to fulfill their own lives, and to choose their point of exit and their manner of exit. And to me, it's all sacred. All of it is sacred. Uh, I'm just sharing from my experience um, in the hopes that if some of it is applicable to you, that it will give you some tools and some support. So when you find yourself in this situation, you may pick up some of my pointers and it may enhance your experience and give you some comfort and some love. So that is really my intention. And once again, I deeply apologize um, if my sharing in any of these subjects, which are uh, very tender and very raw um, In any way uh, hurt anyone's feelings or cause anyone discomfort. That's that's definitely not the intention in which I'm sharing these experiences. So um, just starting with my own experience of my father, it was my mom and I talked about it a little bit, and I just want to set this up because it was truly one of the great surprises of my life. I mean, literally like the universe laughing at me, Uh, because here I was, I incarnated into this family. I had a father who was very different than I was. Um, You know, we just didn't see life the same way. You know, he was an engineer, two plus two equals four. He was like, I'll believe it if I see it. You know, he was like, do one thing and do it well. And here, you know, I come into his life and I'm, you know, never, you know, two plus two equals 22. (laughs) And, and uh, I'm just, you know, doing 80 things at the same time. Like he just, he just didn't understand a lot about me. And, (laughs) And later on, I actually looked into my Vedic chart recently, and it was delightfully uh, revealed to me by Chakrapani, who's one of the leading scholars in Ayurvedic, I'm sorry, in um, Vedic astrology just a, a brilliant man, a, a lovely soul, and he's in his 80s. He revealed to me that my chart, in fact, reflected no possibility of a close relationship with my father. So, And we were, he was giggling, and he was like, no, he was like, people go to therapy, and they get all caught up in it, and they like worry about it, and they make it the mission of their life. When in fact, if you just look at the life design, you see very clearly, it's what was planned for the soul's evolution. And when you look at it that way, you just can't take it personal, you know, then suddenly you're like, of course. So that just releases a whole big burden off your shoulders. So it was super delightful, um, to get that information. But anyway, track backtracking to my father's exit. Um, you know, my dad and I found I found a way to connect with him whenever I could, you know. So he happened to really like my music, which I took as a very big compliment because he was quite a critic of music and came from a very musical family. His brother played with the Glenn Miller Band twice as a— his brother Paul once as a trumpet player once as a piano player and uh, my dad's mother mom pearl who my mom mentions in in the other episode she was a piano teacher and a lot of my cousins uh, on my dad's side um they sing amazingly rock judy barbara they one of them sang at carnegie hall i mean they're like they're very musical <clears throat> and my dad told me uh, you know before he died maybe a couple years before he died that he hope that I continued to sing and to write my music. Uh, And he said, the world needs more of your kind of music. And that was very a very sweet, very sweet, you know, high compliment from him. So that was great. And I even kind of tricked him one time and got him to play harmonica on a song that I wrote that's actually about ascension. It's about spiritual ascension and transformation. Mm. It's called The New Earth. And uh, he played a harmonica solo and he practiced that song over and over and over again. So, anyway, it was October of last year. And, um, I had this amazing experience where you know he was, he was really kind of done. He was very healthy, but he was feeling that he was going to exit. And so he was saying goodbye to people and being very forthright. So he called me one day, and I was on my way to Europe, and I had a cold. And so I was planning on seeing them, but I didn't want to get them sick. So he called me, and he told me um, that he wanted to say goodbye and that I had been a great daughter and that he loved me. And it was so beautiful that he took that moment and gave me that uh, because we had had this type of relationship um, where I hadn't really heard him say, say that. It's sort of like I waited my entire life for him to say those words to me. And I was so grateful. And I said, Dad, thank you so much for, for saying that. And, of course, I was crying. And I said, Dad, you're going to see uh, that in another space and time you and I are going to have a laugh about all of this. And I said, you're going to see that I was right, that there is no death. And he said in his engineer way, well, I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so it was, and I, at that point, I was f- completely fulfilled. You know, it yeah. was like, okay, I'm fulfilled. Like he gave me that, like how blessed, because I was okay with the other. I knew we knew what was going on at a soul level. Like I wasn't in angst over it. Um, at that point, I had been in my life. Um, but anyway, so uh, he stuck around. I got back from Europe. He was still here. We still saw him, and we had even a jam session where he was playing harmonica in my living room with my brother Thane and my kids, our kids. Uh, and then um, uh, it, the moment kind of came. you know, all of a sudden, one day he had something go um, wrong with his heart and was admitted to the hospital. and Uh, My sister had been taking care of them a lot, and she sort of left the hospital and went home to kind of prepare things there. And I had the opportunity to be with him in the hospital, and it was during that time, those two days of being with him, that I experienced the deepest intimacy that I ever had with my father. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I was able to um, you know, go into meditation sitting next to him, and he had told me that he was ready to die, so I was doing an energetic clearing of disconnecting him. And he did not want to end up in the hospital on machines or anything. He was very angry that he was even admitted in the first place. So I did this one process, and about six hours later, his organs started shutting down, which is what we wanted. It's what he wanted. So they gave us the hospice referral, and we were going to get to go home. So I said, Dad, we, we get to go. Like, they're going to let you out. And he just sat up. He, was just, he said, get my clothes. So, you know... Uh,
0: that's am- I, I didn't know that. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So then he sat up, and then he hadn't eaten in probably three days. Yeah. So I said, I said Dad, you know, do you think you could eat? And he's like, yeah, I think I could. I mean, was, then he was just completely lucid in a way. So here I am, a mother, but I'm his daughter, and I'm spoon-feeding him applesauce. And his blue eyes are looking at my eyes. And they're locked onto my eyes. And I'm suddenly... Realizing that I've never looked in his eyes in my memory at in this intensity, mm-hmm. you know, because that was too little too intimate. Sure. I wouldn't just sit and look in my father's eyes, mm-hmm. not not with our relationship. Right. So I'm feeding him applesau- applesauce, and I'm also understanding he was going in and out of sort of realms, like the veil was thinning. So there were certain times that he was seeing things and beings in the room and objects and whatever, and then I was just right on the page with him. So I was like, "It's okay, Dad. I'll get them." So I was just, you know, I wasn't like, what do you mean? What are you seeing? <laughs> you know. So I, I could speak his language at that minute, but I also realized that he wasn't uh, lucid the whole time. So there were moments where he'd say, you know, oh, hey, where you been or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, he doesn't realize I've been here. Sure. But I also realized at that moment that he had fed me as a baby. Wow. He had looked in my eyes as a baby, and I didn't remember. I couldn't remember. So here we were at that moment, that intimate moment, it, the opposite transition, you know, that people talk about. Sure. It's like the, the 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 mother births a child, and then the parent becomes the child. The full circle. Full circle, exactly. So I was feeding him applesauce, and there was a moment where this ancient energy came into him. It switched in his eyes, and all of a sudden, it was the ancient one looking at me. It was no longer. Larry, my father. and every hair on my body just stood on end. It was the most profound gaze. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly understood <laughs> at a deeper level, you know, it was it was much like a wise whale, like a whale. Right. you know, like if you've ever seen the <laughs> whale eye, kept, and it yep, just takes yep, your breath away, yes, it had that essence to it. So here I was, and I'm thinking, and then I'm realizing and giggling to myself, like you know nothing, I'm you know I'm I'm reflecting. You don't know anything. So uh, we were able to go home, um, and uh, we we arrived. The ambulance brought him back to this amazing space that my sister created for my parents, and they lived in. Basically, had their home in Alaska recreated in this room, which was really beautiful. And then um, I came in and. Uh, Dad looked at me and he said, uh, "Oh, look at the Indian," because I had one of my ponchos on. <laughs> and uh, and um, it was kind of actually I had this story. I want to share this one story because this came to mind during the interview with my mom, and I didn't say that. But when I was a little girl, probably Jaya's age, maybe even younger, maybe six. My parents were married in Santa Fe, and I thought they were married in Taos, and my mom straightened it out for me. But they would they would take us to Santa Fe or to Taos on vacation. Sometimes we would drive there. And I was so excited to go to Taos because I wanted to see what I now know as the Native Americans, but at the time I called them the Indians, right? right? And so I remember pulling up, and it was freezing, like a freezing cold desert uh, sort of scene. And it was a like a hacienda style porch, like outside some place in Taos, and there were these Native Americans sitting in blankets with actually hats on, like almost in their own self created, um, you know, you know, the the poncho covered the whole the whole form. So they were like mounds sitting on this porch, and we were in the car, and my dad knew I was very excited, like very like out of my mind excited to see this kind of being. So he said to me, Now, honey, don't say anything when you get out of the car. Like, don't, don't say anything. So I say, Okay. So we get out of the car and we shut the door and I just scream at the top of my lungs. I say, Look at the Indians. Look at the Indians. (laughs) Like, I couldn't, I just couldn't contain it, you know? And I remember him laughing. So it was kind of funny at the end of his life, one of the last. Lucid things he said to me when I walked up to his hospital bed, now and now in hospice bed, now in his room was he said, "Oh, look at the Indian." <laughs> <laughs> so it was just this really funny thing. So anyway, so o- over the next days, um, something really magical happened, and that is that, really, for the first time, my mother and my brothers and sisters allowed me to uh, do what I do, to be the healer that I am, and to offer. This possible experience that we could have, and I was very respectful about it. And I asked my mother. I said, "Mom, you know, how do you feel about, it, you know, if I if I got a, a special blanket and if you know we prepared, you know, a ceremony for after he passes." And she was just so willing and so open. And she said, yes, honey, you know, you do whatever. You just do whatever you want to do. So um, I went and I bought a very beautiful, sacred uh, cloth, a very natural, um, you know, something that he would have liked. But very beautiful. Mm. And uh, I got some rose water, some actually some essence drops of rose. And I brought the special bowl that has sat on my altar for many, many, many years. And... Um, I filled this with uh, clean filtered water and then uh, infused it with the rose oil essences. Um, My sister got me some clean washcloths that we put a basket uh, next to the water and we prepared that. And then I took a table um, next to my father's bed and I gathered um, all the photographs of my mom and my dad and a photograph of him with his family and all the children and we got uh, candles for each family member, you know, enough for everybody that was there and then some others symbolically for others that that couldn't come. And I prepared an altar there, you know, that was ready. Uh, and then I got um, white roses and we filled a basket full of white rose petals. Uh, and I happened to have uh, this amazing gift. My friend Deborah Garland, who is an amazing pranayama teacher and really one of my dear yogi friends, actually she recorded her course with Mm -hmm. you, I'm just remembering right now. Um, She had traveled to the Ganges River to the point of origin high up in the mountains. I think it's called Gormuk. And um, she had gathered this water from the Himalayas. And in the yogi tradition at the time of death, they actually pour the water into the mouth of the deceased Mm -hmm. as their last sacred drink from this immense sacred mountain deity, you know, the Ganges, one of the most beautiful, most magnificent rivers, you know, on the planet, you know, maybe in the universe. So um, I, uh, you know, we were there with him, we were there for days, and we sang a bunch of music, and there was laughing and crying, and the grandkids were there, you know, and at one point, you know, my mom said, you know, honey, do you think that the little children should see him like that? And I said, absolutely, they should absolutely see them, see him like that. Like, let them come, let them you know let them be with this experience let us let us experience death together as a family yeah. in in all of its beauty all of its sadness you know but let's let's make it meaningful you know let's not try to hide it like it's not happening so um we had one night we had uh we had folk night i was singing with my brother thane and then we played originals another night and we were singing really loud in his room just you know i'm sure, i know he could hear us you know he was not lucid at that time and then one night we uh, we formed a kirtan band and we were sort of like out in the hallway and trapper had to sit on the toilet to play the drums and you know, there was a lot of a lot of comedy and a lot yeah. of, you know, just life. Yeah. How it is with your when you're a right. family, you know, there's stuff going on. I love it. So, um at the at the moment and I also want to just mention hospice and just how incredible, what an incredible service um those people offer and um the, just the nurses and their care and and all the people that were there that helped us. And helped. Uh, We did keep him out of pain, so he he was taking morphine at the end. And there were a couple days where the breathing was very labored, so it was very difficult to to watch. And yet, you know, we knew he he was on his he was like in labor. It's almost like you're in birth labor, right? Well, you're in death labor, but to another to another you know another realm. And so in the, the last moments, uh, I just felt the intuition, you know, my mom was ready uh, to let him go. And she was, she was beautifully courageous and strong, you know, and saying, no, you know, it's his time. So we did a meditation. We released him. And about 45 minutes later, the hospice called and he took his last breath and we were there all with him. And the first thing we said to him when he passed was, I said, well done, dad. Hmm. <laughs> so, I in and getting to this it's like, you know, again, this is this is the beauty of a divine perspective and it's a choice. You know, it is a choice. And he kind of agreed with me in the end to believe because he knew I believed. You know, but he he, he you know, he wasn't even really within himself. He never really resonated with church. He he didn't his church was nature. He was an outdoorsman. He was flying around Mount McKinley or hiking on a glacier or sleeping on a glacier. <laughs> you know it's it's what he did mm-hmm. so he that was his church um he didn't really know much more besides that and i don't really think the bible really made sense to him at all and uh, again you know i go back to sharing as i did with mishka my friend who's an atheist is i don't really think consciousness cares if you're religious or not no right you know not. it's it, it it's <laughs> just a choice it's a choice of experience and um, the fact that what I shared with my family and my friends is that when somebody is transitioning, like, let's just say you're going to jump out of an airplane, you're going to go skydiving for the first time, and you've never jumped before out of that airplane, and you have some anxiety about it. Like, you're kind of like, well, you know, shit, I got to jump out of an airplane, and I don't know who's going to be waiting for me when I land. I don't know what that, what that looks like. So what, what's the energy that would be supportive to you in that circumstance? You don't want people going like, oh, shit, you know, yeah. like with you and then amplifying your fear. You want people who are grounded in themselves and who are saying, I believe in you. You're going to do beautifully. You're going to, you know, you're going to transition and you're going to go to this amazing expansion, this amazing place. So the energy we can meet death with is excitement, and adventure, you know, In some months before my dad passed, I I said, you know, it's like you're going on the greatest expedition of your entire life. And you know how to go on expeditions because you did it your entire life. So you're going to be alive. It's not going to be lights out. You're going to go through a period where you transition. There might be some pain that you have to deal with, but you're going to be... uh, you know, rejuvenated and balanced and you're going to be able to choose your next life experience in some format, you know, and everybody's different because they have different belief systems. So your belief systems can keep you trapped, which is part of what I do with my information is I'm trying to maybe dissolve some of your belief systems. (laughs) Even if you don't believe me, maybe just not believe that thing that you were so attached to, you know, just the possibility of that we don't know is a lot more supportive than saying, "You know, I know when I die, the pearly gates are there, and there's going to be a man with a wand, and I hope he lets me in you know
0: this process prepares us for our transition, right the spiritual process as you know spiritual beings here having a, a spiritual being is having a human experience, it prepares us
1: yeah for, definitely. That, for that moment and isn't that why we're alive yes. right? Yes. From the moment we're born, yes. we're really preparing to die.
0: For the transition. Right? Yeah.
1: Okay, but in society, almost 99.9% of the planet is acting like it's never going to happen. <laughs> There's no and focus fearing, on it.
0: And fearing not living life mm-hmm. because we're afraid to die.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Which is yeah. quite an interesting paradox. And in,
1: in my experience, the, the, the fact that I've been so viscerally connected to death makes my life so beautiful yeah. because I have that contrast, right? Yeah.
0: Yes. So, and I would say that this experience that you shared, that your family shared, prepares them to be more free around death anyway because mm-hmm. all of the way, the way I was brought up is that death is this terrible, dark, sad, potentially terrible thing where you go to hell
1: right or, exactly
0: if you're not good and
1: we're all all right? of all humanity is going to hell <laughs> that's happening
0: well i mean if anyone's going to hell then then everyone is then everyone is i mean that's right? just because where at what point you go oh well you just just you know you
1: just made it well i
0: guess i guess it's if you you know if you follow a certain doctrine but right you know, of course still.
1: so yeah so i mean the the thing is is that i think that that uh, learning about death and embracing death and experiencing you know and being close to it allows us to live more fully absolutely allows us to live and really understand that this life is not for granted it's not you know it's like um you know it's funny my my sister called me yesterday and she was like well if you're in europe you know and if mom passes i was like she's like you know she could go anytime i was like listen we could all go anytime you know any of us can go anytime that's the truth of the matter that's that is the truth yeah it's not you just don't know you you never know so in my in my perspective i think we can benefit by living life every day as if we could go anytime
0: <laughs> that is the, really is the perspective to live by right no it doubt. is
1: so then it helps you start to align what are you doing with your life
0: yeah right cuz you In can go moment, anytime right, <laughs> right. right. cuz but moment to moment
1: you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know that's why you know, Rich and I always say, like every day when I put my head down on the pillow, yeah. I lived my life, yeah, my life, not yes. someone else's life, not someone's idea of what I should do or what I should be. And so it starts to really hone and really, you know really clarify even relationships, yes. you know, relationships with friends. Yep. And it's like, what so what is going on now present moment that is relevant in your life that makes sense, that really is in alignment with your heart? Mm. That's the thing that should get most of your attention, you know, yeah. most of your energy. And the things like the shoulds, like you should do this or you should be doing that in any sort of form. You know, I never want to get to the end of the day and say it was my last day and I did something that I should, that I should, I had to do, you know, that I right. had a should around. Right. And then I was like, why was I there? Right. That was a waste of my energy you know, and even found this recently, I went to a friend's uh, a gathering, I'll just say gathering, to keep it generic. But I went because I really resonate with this friend deeply. And I thought it was going to be a very deep experience and worthy of my time and my boy's time. And we went, and the other individuals that he had invited were not in this alignment of this depth. Hmm. And so it ended up, you know, we stayed for a while and then I left, but it ended up being really sort of a it wasn't in alignment with the energy, yeah, so it's literally like that important right now where you cannot compromise your energy for anyone or anything because you could go anytime, right <laughs> so anyway, so I wanted to just sort of experience just sort of share that so so finally, my dad took his last breath. we were able to. It was this beautiful thing that I just I had to share. And he died with his mouth open. And also, was it really interesting because I was doing energy work, and the hospice uh, nurses could see everything change when I was doing the energy healing. Mm. So they could see it in the body as I was doing it, right. which was really cool. Right. Um, and uh, so he 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 passed. He transitioned. He took his last breath. And they they said you know we're so sorry cuz his mouth is open and that's just how they die and there's nothing we can do about mm-hmm, it and that's mm-hmm. just what happens yeah. and i was of course not attached i was like it doesn't matter so we moved the bo- we moved his body to the sacred cloth and my sister and i started to prepare and with every like 15 minutes that passed his face became more and more and more pristine until finally his mouth was completely closed well except for like a small opening And the new hospice nurse that came to pronounce him was like, what happened? Like, how is his mouth like that? Like, we don't understand. And I know that it was the devotion. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It was our devotion that we were honoring this being Mm -hmm. in this way. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom went first. She lit a candle at the altar. I asked her, I said, Mom, do you want to go first or last? And she said, I want to go first. Mm -hmm. So she symbolically washed him, washed the body with rose water, One last time, Um, everybody went. Everybody lit a candle and took their turn, those that wanted to. There were individuals that didn't want to do that, and that was also fine. And then uh, my sister and I wrapped him, you know, as two mothers know how to do. We wrapped him up and swaddled him in this beautiful cloth, and I left the area around his chest and his head open, Mm -hmm. And then we came back a second time and we were singing the entire time. We were singing a chant mm-hmm. that's called Jaya Jaya Devi Mata, which means victory, divine mother. Mm. And we uh, went again a second time and we kissed him and we offered rose petals around his heart. And I had this mala. I actually got this amazing mala. I got it at Jivamukti in New York. And it's a, an artist who, it's actually not rude seeds. It's rose petals that are pressed together that actually looked like rudrakshas, but it was a very special mala that I only wear when I play sitar. It's my own private devotional mala. And I had it on during this whole process. And at the end, I got the, the call to put my mala around my father's neck. My father, who was an NRA member, who was so not a yogi, like not a yogi in his life at all. And my personality stopped me from doing it because I thought, oh, that might offend Somebody, one of my family members or something. So I said, okay, I'm not going to do it. And literally when I was standing there, I was the last. This force, I mean, I I had to put mm-hmm. my mala mm-hmm. around him. Mm-hmm. So I put it around him and we were there. We kept the body for seven hours. Um, I poured the Ganges water in his lips and the it all went in. And uh, we were with him for hours, and they came seven hours. It was the longest that they would they would give us because mm-hmm. they said, "Oh, things start to change, and you mm-hmm. don't want to be there." Mm-hmm. This body was radiating with divine energy. Mm-hmm. It could have stayed. It, 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 it was not. There was nothing but divine energy in this. Mm. So here I had this experience. I'm this yogi daughter with this, you know, extremely different father, and in his passing, his agreement with me was to give me this experience of. It, just exchanging with him in this way. And I don't really feel like, it's not like my experience was greater than his experience. I saw the ancient one looking at me through his eyes. It's not like, oh, you know, I helped him so much. We helped each other. It was a complete in alignment. Okay, this is that alignment thing we were talking about. It was an experience that blessed me and him equally and everyone around us. So and for just i'm still pinching myself i'm still giggling at the whole thing at the whole play at how it all came you know came around and i just i my like my life the universe really got a great joke over on me because this was never happening in the, in my lifetime and um so, what do we take away from this, and how do we apply it to our own lives? You know, I've had other experiences. I've had, uh, you know, dear friends, children die in accident very suddenly, and very tragically. I've had the boy's dad, my 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 love, my my soulmate for ten years, um, also died very suddenly in an accident. Uh, and we didn't get these experiences. You know, with my boys, I didn't have a body. I didn't have that time. Um, But what I'm trying to share with everybody is that you can make any experience sacred. You can meet it in its sacrament. And you can create a ceremony, you know, using elements of what I shared with you. Um, In, you know, the boy's father's experience, um, you know, I did it. We did it in another way. We did it on the beach in meditation with flowers and offering things into the ocean. He was lost in the ocean. So, um, you know, we, we you can do it different ways. And just remembering that you never know who someone is. So you can say things, uh, you know, like you, you just can't make blanket statements about anything. I mean, I'm sure of it now. You have to just live your own life. And use this divine perspective to meet your experiences, and so meet death as a as a divine sacred moment, in whichever way it comes, and understand that it's a birth into something much more expanded, much more vast. And uh, you know, I never um, I never look back with my father. Of course, he lived a very long life, you know, and I know my mother misses him terribly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, he was ready. I mean, what a blessing. What a blessing of a life, the the entire thing. I mean, who dies like that anyway? I mean, it's pretty rare. Hopefully I do. Hopefully you do. Well, you do now. Well, hopefully a lot of us do now, right? That we understand that, you know, we're not, and and again, this goes back to even birth experiences. I mean, we need to take our own responsibility for our experience. It's not just like, oh, well, the doctor knows. So, or the morgue knows. So they're going to tell us how it's going to go. Right. No, you're going to tell them how it goes. Find out what the laws are. Find out what your rights are. I mean, there are many traditions. That's a really
0: great point right there. We just assume that there's just this very sort of narrow way of, Mm -hmm. of dealing with death.
1: Yeah. And, well, and, and, you know, it took me... Because it's
0: such a dangerous subject, such a scary subject that we live our, whoops, we live our whole life trying to avoid, you
1: know. Right, exactly. Or some do. I'm not saying everyone. A lot of people do. do. A lot of people do, and they're really, really afraid. But, I mean, I would be afraid, too, if I thought it was lights out. mean, of
0: course. I mean, that's
1: it. You're snuffed out. (laughs) It's just black. Like, I don't know. But, you know, the soul lives. So your death doesn't exist right. there is no death and it will just continue you know the whole game mm-hmm. just goes on and on and on and and you know we know we know nothing you know we e- even scientists know nothing yeah so why are we giving so much power to organizations and and doctors and medical systems or whatever who are who who say one thing you know it's yeah. just it's 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 not that you know and you know, again, in any situation, you can make it sacred. If you're in the hospital, you can bring in things. You can request. Um, you can ask for more time. You can have incense. You could have. Maybe you can't have incense. You could have maybe like essential oils. So you're creating an aroma. Um, you could have, uh, you know, certain kind of music. Yeah, you can um, sing,
0: your family can sing together and weeps, sing your, yeah. what a yeah. beautiful frequency. It was I amazing. Mean, his body was bathed in this this higher yeah. frequency. Yeah. I would imagine the frequency of death and the fear, it's a low frequency. Sure. And I'm not being critical of anyone as they're mourning, of course, I understand mourning. Right. But to, but to also involve your family in mm-hmm. this loving high frequency. Yes. And what yeah. what a beautiful way to usher in that It was that magnificent. It really, I mean it really just was incredible.
1: It was magnificent. Right. And it was so like I left there like and I said to all of them, like we did we did so well. We all did such a great job. You know, mm-hmm. all of us. Everybody showed up, we took turns. Um, you know, and there were some ma- family members that couldn't come. My brother had just been to see him, you mm-hmm. know, some days previously. Um, so he spent two whole days with him, and yeah. he called him on the phone, and I put the phone up for my dad. And then my other sister was not able to come either, but she had seen him, you know, in the past months. So you know, it's just it's different for everyone. And there's no, you know, it, it doesn't everything is perfect as it as it as it unfolds, yeah. as it evolves. Yeah. Uh, but we did great, and it really just like the birth of my daughter, Jaya, when we all were in the room, you know, the boys basically had to tell Tyler to get out of the way so Rich could deliver his own child because right. Tyler was ready to catch her. It was to to, to, he was ready. Literally. He was right there. I'm ready. He was there. He like the whole thing, oh, like the so, whole deal, so just happening, <laughs> right? And and Mathis was on the couch, like with a little baby doll, kind of a little freaked out because sure. you know her mom's in the bed and there's labor going on. And then Trapper was right by my head. He was like, "I'll stay next to my mom's head." But Tyler was just right there, right Brave in the right boys. in the soccer game. And uh, I mean, I looked down. Like one of them had my knee. Like one of my boys oh. was holding my knee. Oh my god! And and that it's like she was born. And they were instantly holding her, her brothers and sisters right there. And see, we were in the hospital because I'm older than a lot of you guys that are listening. And when I mentioned that I wanted a water birth, I was shut down by my doctor completely. And so I went along, and I actually had pretty easy births, so it was working for me. But with every child, I started to remove the processes. Like Jaya didn't get any shots. I didn't allow them to wash her or touch her or... Mm -hmm. You know, but I learned over the years that I had more rights than I thought. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's like I had this blending birth that happened in the hospital and it was magnificent, beautiful, beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful experience. Um, so, you know, it's different for everybody. You can't just make a blanket statement and say, well, water birth is for every child and every mother yeah. in every place. You know, it just so. it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So anyway, I I would love it if we would just start to open our awareness and start to consider death as a birth and start to look for the common uh, attributes of both of those experiences and understand that from the moment we're born, we're preparing to die. And it's really our choice To dedicate our life to spiritual awareness, to transformation, to learning in this earth school, Mm -hmm. and to really not waste the life, because the life is very valuable. Mm -hmm. It's a big honor to be in a body, especially at this moment in time. So um, I wanted to share that in that way. I hope you guys find that expansive for you. Uh, I want to just take a note. I am going to be exploring death a little bit deeper in uh, an upcoming episode. Um, I'm going to dive into the subject of suicide. Um, I didn't have the time to really... I didn't want to do it as part of this mm-hmm. podcast because I really uh, want to give it its own episode. So um, so stay tuned with me uh, through the coming weeks, and um, thanks so much for listening Until next time, I hope you have an amazing week. Be well, and remember, with God, all things are possible. Not just some things, all things. Namaste. Namaste. If you're receiving some healing and you enjoyed the show, please do donate. And check out my tools of transformation at srimati.com. That's S-R-I-M-A-T-I dot com. You can also find me at Srimati on Twitter and Instagram. Again, that's S-R-I-M-A-T-I.